It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. And you can always find us on the new podcast app, Himalaya, with curated podcasts and playlists. They have everything the modern podcast fan needs. And I like to think that the Locked On Packers Nation are modern podcasts fans. This is, after all, a modern podcast We are going to be talking about some Packers draft stuff today. A little bit later in the show, we're going to talk about a comment Aaron Rodgers made about the time it will take this offense, or at least should take this offense, to move forward. Uh, And so we, in that spirit, are going to move forward ourselves past the drama, past the reports and the unnamed sources and the name sources and the discussions about who said what and when and why, I think for everyone's sake, it's now time to focus on football because really the only thing that matters now, the relationship with Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy only matters through the lens of Rodgers' relationship with Matt LaFleur. And so if we don't see any of the same cracks any of the same disagreements any of the same issues then everything that happened with Rodgers and McCarthy is no longer relevant to what's going on now Uh, and maybe not everything but most things there is one thing that is is related to our first topic and and it's why I want to open with it the offense that Green Bay is going to run is different than Mike McCarthy's offense. And and as such, I've, I've tried to make it clear that we have to stop viewing Green Bay's draft needs through the lens of the old offense. This new one is going to be different. Now, there's there's also going to be some, some holdovers, some similarities. And there are mechanical differences. Namely that there aren't as many audibles at the line of scrimmage or at least it doesn't seem right now that Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to to just go up to the line of scrimmage and call whatever he wants that that's not part of the offense now maybe that'll change maybe that can become a built-in what often happens is there's going to be two plays called and if the first one is not the right one based on the defensive formation then Rodgers can kill it to the second one this is very common in the NFL. And that is not exactly what Rodgers has been doing the last few years. We learned he had essentially full autonomy to say, I don't, I don't, I don't like that call. I'm going to change it. Even, even from a call in his helmet 
uh, that that Mike McCarthy called, he can just not even relay it to the team, not even need to call an audible, just say a new play or within the confines of that play, change a route based on something that he's been seeing, something that he thinks can work in that moment. There's going to be a little bit less flexibility or so we think. And, you know, does that affect the way that Rodgers reacts to play calls? Does that affect the way that he reacts to what he's seeing on the field? Will he want more in terms of the ability to change plays at the line of scrimmage? Maybe and maybe not. Now, what this does, though, is it can simplify things for basically everyone involved because they don't have to be as improvisational. A play is called, you have a job on that play, go do your job. And foundationally, there's going to be a few base concepts and then there's going to be tweaks to those concepts, formational differences, personnel differences, but foundationally, they're going to be the same concepts. They're going to rep those concepts. They're going to be core to this offense. Everyone should know what they're doing there every single time. There's not going to be you know, thousands of different plays and variations. There are core concepts, and then you know, maybe they'll run it out of trips. Maybe they'll run it out of a two-by-two two set. Maybe they'll run it out of 11 personnel. Maybe they'll run it out of 21 personnel. That flexibility is what makes this offense so difficult to defend. And this is what Rodgers said about that transition because Matt Ryan and and Atlanta, early on, they struggled with Kyle Shanahan's offense. Matt LaFleur's offense is going to have some serious similarities to what Kyle Shanahan did in Atlanta and what he's doing in San Francisco. There's going to be elements of what Sean McVay is doing in L.A., but there's also going to be elements of what Green Bay used to do under Mike McCarthy. Rogers said, this isn't like other transitions where you kind of get a pass for the first year or two to get acclimated to the system. And and he's went on to say he expects the Packers to compete for championships right away with Matt LaFleur and this offense, that there should not be an adjustment period. Now, number one, Rogers has to say that because he only has you know, a, a limited window left. He can't afford to be wasting seasons, so he has to be going in thinking right now Green Bay can win. Green Bay is set up to win a championship. He has to believe that. But we have discussed on this show before, you look around the league, new coaches recently have been able to make significant inroads in year one to the point that by year two, their team is either in or competing for the Super Bowl. Sean McVay, Doug Peterson, and Matt Nagy. Obviously, it was not just the offense last year, although the offense was better. It wasn't great, and that was what everyone you know heralded him for as this new offensive genius. And he, I, I mean, I genuinely think he is. It's just that the defense got a lot better and that was the biggest reason why they went from you know the doghouse to the penthouse. Green Bay doesn't have to do that because they have talent on the field. They have Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers is going to get the system. And that part of it is not going to be that's not going to be a question. Where I think things are going to be easier for everyone else. And this in some ways goes back to the first point but also goes back to the transition part of this. 
Mike McCarthy's offense was so predicated on individual matchups. And as Ryan Grant pointed out in the Bleacher Report piece, that offense works great when you have matchup problems at every level of the field and you have five receivers that you can go to and a tight end who no safety or linebacker can cover and a run game that that can work. This offense is more predicated on spacing. It's more predicated on illusion. It's more predicated on the actual play design than how well the individual player performs in that system. So if you do your job in that play, the play is going to work. The play is the thing that can that can help you win. So it makes Rodgers' life easier because he's not having to Superman. He's not having to pick out specific matchups, and he's going to have to do a little bit less work pre-snap. And then post-snap, it's a similar idea because the receivers, they have a route. And there's Obviously, every play, there's going to be variations. Oh, if it's press coverage, it's this. If they're playing off, it's this. There's still going to be those changes. But this offense is going to be less reliant on the receivers to be great individually because the play design can get them open. This is an offense that loves to use tight end leaks where basically you have everyone going one direction. The tight end flows out the backside, is wide open and in space, and all of a sudden, You've got free yards. This offense is very good at at manufacturing yards, or at least the offense we think we're going to get. Again, this is all based on, you know, it's speculation, but it's speculation that is informed by, you know, the the offense that Matt LaFleur grew up in, that he learned, and that he ran last year in Tennessee. Personnel is always going to change how you view your team and how you view them in terms of the best way for them to succeed. And so there's going to be changes early on and growing pains. And, and that's not to say that, that this offense can't look different in November than it does in August. There is going to be an evolution, and it is going to be an adjustment period for everyone. But I, I think, you know, as I mentioned the other day, as Rodgers ages, what he needs is an offense that runs the ball more, Drew Brees and Tom Brady have benefited greatly from an offense that plays with balance. He needs an offense that is not going to make him make every play because the more plays he has to make just by individual sheer force of will and greatness, the more opportunities he's going to have to get hit. And so the more you can either set it up so you know, you've got a max protect deep shot on, the Patriots love stuff like that, so do uh, the Saints. The more that you can get the ball out quickly and in the hands of your playmakers, we're going to see more receiver screens uh, and stuff like that in this offense. The play-action passing game creates bigger windows and, generally speaking, holds pass rush at bay, less opportunities for Rodgers to get hit. This is the kind of offense that suits what Green Bay wants or should want from their quarterback and their offense moving forward to protect Rodgers. It is also the case that it should be easier to pick up because there are so many crossover concepts. Nathaniel Hackett, again, comes from that that base West Coast system. So there's going to be some some translation there. But then also, there's just a lot of nuance that you need in the Mike McCarthy offense and individual skill and talent 
that you might not need in this offense, and that makes it, theoretically anyway, much easier for everyone to get acclimatized to what's going on, which should also, theoretically, mean they'll be better sooner. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one-two punch to keep your one-two punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. Matt Williamson brings the scouts perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. We got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, that's what threw a couple nuggets out on Allen. And I know he's a lot bigger, a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted. And he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws. But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I want to set this this next question up. Um, It's from um, Braddy Young. I hope that is is how you pronounce it. Maybe it's E. Jung. Um, he said, uh, for the Q&A, what about trading Graham to the Patriots and swapping the 44th for the 32nd pick and picking up an extra mid-round pick? Use cap space and add depth and free agency and move up with three first-round picks. Thanks. So I actually was able, we, we did a mock draft for Locked On Packers and Locked On Podcast Network and I was able to do this. I was able to trade back into the first to get an extra first round pick. If there is a way for Green Bay to do that, I would be all for it. Now, they already have two. So getting the third, you know, that, that provides a unique luxury. But we're talking about if you get add three blue chip players to this offense or, or players with blue chip potential... Suddenly, that looks very different. Now, the difference between two and three, you know, I don't know how big that is. What is the gap? What are you giving up? 
I don't think you're going to get much for Jimmy Graham. So, you know, that that's not something that that I think is going to is going to fly for most teams. Uh, the other thing is I don't know what the value is other than that fifth year of the contract for trading up to 32 for example. Now, I in in our um host mock I traded up to 31 because there was a, a particular player I wanted to get, I'm not going to spoil it, that I thought there was a decent chance could go at 32 because of the the needs that the Patriots have and the te- and the, the kinds of players that they generally pick in that range. I think Green Bay could see value in that. I, I had ended up having the 30th and 31 picks. That's pretty nice. And I got three really good players in the mock draft. If our mock is any indication of what Green Bay does or or has the chance to do, players who are going to be on the board when they are picking, uh, Green Bay does have the opportunity to add a handful of really, really high-level talented players. I think the scenario that makes more sense in terms of trading and moving around and, and being aggressive, I love the idea of, you know, let's say, let's say Ed Oliver's off the board. He is still... You know, my number one pick for 12. Andre Dillard followed closely thereafter. Let's say Ed Oliver's off the board and Washington comes and says, you know, we love Drew Locke or we love Daniel Jones or whoever, and we'll give you 15 and the third round pick to move down to 15. All right, the Packers, they love Dillard, they love Bush, they love Hawkinson, they love Burns. All those guys are there at 12. They're certainly going to be at least two of those four are going to be there at 15 because Washington's not going to take one of them and so now you have to you have to deal with Miami and you know that you have you have two slots for four players now I I am generally of the mind that they're probably not going to value them all the same but let's say they do now you move down to 15 and you can get one of those guys I think Packer fans are weary about Hawkinson at 12 They seem to, for some reason, feel very different about that at 15. Fine. Cool. If it makes you feel better, let's do it. Um, And then you also, you could go Bush at 15. I think uh, that would make fans feel better about a linebacker in the top half of the first round. 15 feels, that does feel somewhat different than 12. I understand that. Okay, so now the Packers, they've got that done. Now they have an extra third round pick. They could package 30. And that new third or and their third and move up because Washington and Green Bay in the third round actually pick back to back. So they're trading essentially their the extra third to move up. And you could take 30 and 75 and move into the 20s and maybe even the low 20s into 2020, 20, 21. And maybe that's where you can get Noah Fant. Maybe Hawkinson falls that far. Maybe for some reason someone like Andre Dillard fell or Dalton Reisner. There are a lot of options. I like that a little bit better because they're going to have a ton of options at 12. And if they think they're all good, you move down, you get the extra pick. And then that allows you to basically for free, I mean, a... a, um, value neutral move from 30 to 21 because you already moved down to get a player you already really wanted and you get to move back up it's kind of what green bay did last year when they when they traded down for that extra first 
They used extra picks to move back up. And they came out ahead. They could do a similar thing in the first round of this draft. Now, I have I have been on record as saying that I think the, the, their best move from a value standpoint, although I really like this, this proposed trade that I've seen on Twitter and, and have talked about elsewhere, is taking 75, packaging both fourths, those the 114 and 118, and moving back into the second round, the end of the second round, because the draft, after the top 50 or so players, generally speaking in a draft, that is where uh, the cutoff point is. So you have the top 20, top 25, end of the first round. That's where that's where your blue chip players are going to come from at the end of the, the 50, that you know 48 to 52. Generally speaking, that's where all the really good players go. And then in the top 100, that's generally where all the useful players go, whether it's backups or preferred, you know, preferred backups, rotational players, core special teams players. That's what you're getting in the top 100. Everything after that is a lottery ticket. And so if you're the Packers and you think you can compete in year one and you think, as Aaron Rodgers does, that this offense can get clicking early on and that they can get on the same page early on and they can compete with the defensive talent that they've brought in that's going to allow them to be much better than they would have been had they just relied on drafting and developing. If they feel that way, then being aggressive in terms of moving up makes sense because you're paying for, number one, you're paying for talent and you're paying for certainty because you don't have to hope you can get a good player in the fourth round if you're using that pick to move up to get a player whose probability of hitting is higher. That's really all you're doing in the draft. Every pick is a risk profile, basically. And so in the first round, you know, you've got about a 40% chance of getting a really good player. And the chances of that player being good fall as you go down the draft. Maybe you have a 5% chance of getting a good player in the fourth round, a 2% chance, you know, whatever. That is what's changing. There's no guarantees in the first round. In fact, more often than not, your first round pick is not very good. That's just that's just historical, statistical numbers. Say, you're probably not going to get a good player. The draft is hard, and there's a lot of variance. And so you're, you're allowing your team, when you feel like you have the players to go for it, you pay for certainty, you give up the chance at the number of picks you have, the number of chances to win the lottery, and you're trading them for a little bit more certainty. So a 30% chance at, at a really good player versus three chances each at you know 15 each. Which one would you rather have? I know my answer. If I were a GM, you know, I would I would have like two or three picks after the top 100 every year. I'd always be looking to try and move up to get those foundational blue and red chip players because you need them. You need them, and Green Bay needs them. Now, they don't have dire needs. They don't have huge holes to fill, but they need an infusion of young talent, cheap talent, because of what they did in free agency. The window financially has tightened. So this draft is so critical moving up because they have so many picks. 
you don't want to pay all of them because there's not really spots on the roster for all of them anyway. So move up, increase the quality of the picks that you're getting rather than the quantity, and you have a chance to turn around this roster in two off seasons, much like the Saints did, the Eagles did, the Rams did, new coach, new GM, and an influx of talent. The difference is those teams didn't have Aaron Rodgers. The Packers do. So much like a team with a quarterback on a rookie contract, Green Bay has to do everything they can to provide cheap talent while also maximizing their financial resources to bring in top-end talent in free agency to surround him with the guys that they need to go win Super Bowls because that is all that matters now. Again, all the drama's behind us, all the nonsense. What matters now is winning. And every move this team makes over the next few weeks is going to be monumental in deciding whether or not they can win this year and beyond. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow as part of a new schedule as we lead up to the draft. There's going to be five shows a week for the next two weeks. And we are going to do special draft shows after uh, the Thursday night. As soon as the Packers make their picks and the first round is over, there's going to be a Locked on Packers. Now, it's not going to, it's not going to come out right away, but we'll record one. The same with Friday. And then the the following week, the Monday show, will have a week recap of the weekend and big picture look at what happened in the draft. So Monday through Friday, through the draft, with special edition shows through the draft. Those won't be extra shows per se. They'll just be, they'll come out a little bit earlier than they would otherwise. I apologize for the lateness of this episode today traveling. I got the opportunity to go to Augusta and see uh, everything that goes on there. If you ever get the opportunity to go, I highly recommend that you do so. Even if you're not a huge golf fan, it is just an absolutely great time. It is a throwback. Uh, you, You can't have cell phones, but you can smoke cigars. So... I mean, what else do I really need to tell you? I, sh- I shouldn't need to sell it any harder than that. Uh, remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Let other people know that you're listening to Locked on Packers and that you like it because we're not like other shows. We do things differently here, and that's why you listen. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can subscribe on Spotify, on Google Play, and on the all-new Himalaya podcast app. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Lockdown Packers fan hotline, I'm going to try and incorporate more mailbag content the next few weeks as we push toward the draft with the extra show. I should be able to get that in. Hit us up at the Lockdown Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775, so you can stay Locked On Packers. for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NHL team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.